If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Matthew chapter 14. That's where we're going to sit all day today. But <clears throat> I kind of want to just give an introduction of where we've been and where we're going in this, this series that we're in. We're in this series called The Journey, Becoming a Disciple. And what we're doing is we're looking at what it looked like for the disciples of Jesus to actually become a disciple. What was that journey like? Was it immediate? Did it take some time? Was it hard? What did it look like? And so the first week, Scott Sterling spoke, and he talked about when Jesus called the disciples and said, hey, come follow me, right? Come follow me. Come engage with me. Come walk with me in this thing that is called Christianity, right? So he calls the disciples in. That was week one, the calling of the disciples. Week two, Zach last week spoke, he preached on the Sermon on the Mount. The disciples, they were called by Jesus. They, they started to follow Jesus. And then immediately, or fairly shortly thereafter, they sat underneath his teaching, right? The Sermon on the Mount goes, after, goes through three chapters of the, the beginning of the book of Matthew. And the disciples sat at the feet of Jesus and heard truth taught to them, right? So not only did they follow Jesus, they then sat under the teaching of Jesus, right? So those are the, kind of the, the breakdown of where we're headed. And this morning, we're going to look at a story, a story that we've all heard, a story that we've probably all heard a thousand times. And in fact, I know your kids have heard it because a couple of months ago, my then two-year-old came home and told me this story, right? So our Kids Quest kids have heard this story. We've all heard this story, but I'm praying, and I know that God is going to give us something new today, right? I know he's going to give us something new, because he's given me something new as I've read through it, right? It's the story of the feeding of, of the 5,000 people, and God has something new for us this morning in this story that we've all heard before. Then we're going to look at what it looks like to participate with Jesus in ministry. So we had the calling of the disciples. They sat under Jesus' teaching, and now they're participating with Jesus in doing the kingdom work, doing God's work here on earth. So that's where we're going today. Everybody cool with that? Yes? Yeah? Man, that was really weak. Everybody cool with that? All right, thank you. There's a cowbell. All right. Chapter 14, verse 13. Let's read this together. I'm reading out of the ESV version. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. I'm going to give you a little idea of where Jesus' mind might have been. Verse 13 says, when Jesus heard this, the thing that he just heard was that John the Baptist had been killed. John the Baptist had just been killed by the king. And Jesus hears this news and he withdraws. It says to a desolate place. In my mind, if I hear that A, his cousin, B, the guy that introduced him to the world, the voice in the desert, right, the guy that baptized him has been killed, I'd want to withdraw to a desolate place as well, right? So Jesus, showing his humanity, mourning and grieving the loss of his friend, withdraws to a desolate place, but... When the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story that we've heard. And we know that you're going to show us something new through it. So God, I ask that you move in this place. God, speak through me. Give me the words to say. Teach your people today what it looks like to follow you. Speak loud today in this place. And all God's people said, amen. It's a story we've all heard, right? The feeding of the 5,000. It's a story we heard from from being a two-year-old on up. But God has something new for us today. And I want us to just kind of get in our heads of what it is to be a disciple in this moment, right? Imagine yourself as a follower of Jesus who just found out his best friend's been killed or one of his good friends has been killed. And now he walks the shore and there's a crowd of people who... It says they walked on foot from the towns to this desolate place. So it can't be easy to get to this place. But they strapped on their Nikes and they headed off to come see this Jesus they heard of. And when Jesus walks ashore, he sees this great crowd. And what does it say he has for them? Compassion. He has compassion. And he sees a need. Some of them were sick. And it says he healed their sick right then and there. So the first thing that we need to understand is that when Jesus sees a need, he meets the need. When Jesus sees a need, he has compassion for his children and he meets that need in that place. And he's displaying or showing the disciples, hey, this is what ministry looks like. This is what doing my work looks like, is seeing a need, recognizing the need, and meeting that need. And so the disciples are sitting there watching Jesus do this all day long. There's a need, and Jesus heals the person. Here's another person who's sick, and he heals the person. And it goes on and on and on. And finally, the disciples, who are probably tired and hungry themselves, in verse 14, come up with their own need. Right? They all of a sudden recognized a need on their own. Verse 14, he had compassion on them. Verse 15, now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. So the disciples recognized, hey, it's getting dark, and these people don't have any food, and we're in a desolate place. We're far away from stuff. There's not a high V down the street, right? Send them home. Let them go get some dinner. They're hungry. We're hungry, right? 
And there's thousands of people. The Bible says there's 5,000 men. And in some accounts, it says there's up maybe 10 to 15,000 total people counting the women and the children that are there. 15,000 people in the wilderness with no food. Jesus, send them home. Send them home. Now, the cool thing about this story is that this story is in, it's the only story of a miracle of Jesus that's in all four Gospels. So you can see this story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can go read different authors' accounts of it. And they're slightly different, different wordings or different things, but the same things happen in every story. So if, you, if you're enthralled with this at the end of the day, go read those other accounts. But some of those accounts say, hey, Jesus says, go buy them some food. And the guy's like, I don't have a year's salary to go buy food for 15,000 people, for 5,000 people, for 10,000 people, whatever the number was. I don't have that kind of money. Jesus, send them home so they can go get food. The disciples recognized a need, right? Verse 16, but Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus is like, come on, guys. Figure this out on your own. They don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. Provide, meet the need that's in front of you. Here's the need. Meet the need. Right? Jesus is inviting the disciples to meet the needs of the people around them. Jesus is inviting the disciples to do ministry in a real tangible way, right? He's saying, come on into this story. It's different. Come on in. Let's meet the needs of these people today. They don't need to go anywhere. We can take care of it right here. He's inviting them to come in. So the life of being a disciple and participating in ministry, there's a need, and Jesus invites us to join with him in doing that ministry, right? Verse 17, they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. We only have five loaves and two fish. Some of the other versions say they went out into the crowd and tried to find food, and there was a young boy who provided five loaves and two fish. This account doesn't talk about that. So I'm going to assume that a little boy said, here's my lunch or here's my dinner. It's five loaves and two fish. And it's not even good. It's not even like great bread, right? Another account says they were barley loaves. I don't know what that tastes like, but I don't think it tastes good, right? And as I read through some of the commentary, it talked about the barley grain was a grain for the lower class of that society. It was not even a higher class grain. It was a lower class grain. It wasn't the best. But it was five loaves and two fish, and this little boy offered it, and the disciples brought it to Jesus. How many of y'all... Um, growing up, went to the Dale bread store, right? We went, they all looked and smelt the same. Like, it didn't matter which bread store you went into. They all had, like, weird wire racks, right? And it just had this funky smell, and the ground was dirtier than it needed to be. Like, it should have been a little cleaner. But we always got Iron Kid's bread, 
right, growing up. We got Iron Kids bread, had a big orange sticker on it with the price. And I asked my mom yesterday, do you remember how much it cost? And she's like, I don't remember the 80s. And so, um, <clears throat> so, uh, so I don't remember. It was probably 50 cents, 75 cents, 99 cents, whatever the cost was for a loaf of bread. But it wasn't, I mean, Iron Kids bread's not great bread. How many of y'all like good bread? I love good bread. If you can't tell, carbs are like, I'm a fan of carbs. I, I can eat carbs all day. But like a good crusty bread that's got a good crust and you crack it open and you smell it and it's warm and you put butter on it and you eat it and it's like, oh, this is so good. I could eat the whole meal. It's just this bread. I don't need whatever's on my plate. I could just eat this bread, right? That's not what they had. They had iron kids or worse, right? They had barley loaves. So the little boy brings it to the disciples and the disciples bring it to Jesus. And they offer what they have, this low-class bread and two fish. So there's an invitation. There's a need. There's an invitation to meet that need. And Jesus says, bring me what you got. What do you have? I've got five loaves and two fish. So there's a need, an invitation, and an offering on behalf of the disciples. And Jesus takes that offering and he does this. Bring them here to me, verse 18, then verse 19, he says this. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. The offering that was made, the five loaves and two fish was a little, but it was enough. Our little, what little we have is enough for God to do something amazing with, right? Our little is his enough. God is inviting us to do the kingdom work here on earth. He's inviting us to, to tell a bigger story here on earth, earth by recognizing that there are needs. And then he's inviting us in to, to meet those needs and the people around us and the relationships we have with the people around us. And all he's saying is, what do you have? And some of us just have five loaves and two fish. And so we give it to him. And he says, that's plenty because I can take care of the rest. When we participate with God in the kingdom work, when we join in Jesus in doing ministry, we are illuminating him to the world around us. We are making his picture clearer to the people around us. We are making him the center of attention because it's our little, but it's his enough, right? Our little is his enough, and he gets to put on a show. He takes the bread, he blesses it, and he starts handing it to the disciples. And I'm assuming, like, James is standing there, and Jesus is just breaking bread and just handing it to him. And eventually, he's got so much bread in his hands that he just starts walking through the crowds and handing it to people. And all 12 disciples do this. And so Jesus not only does the miracle, but then asks the disciples to go distribute the miracle. Go distribute the miracle. He takes, they take the bread and the fish out into the crowds, the 5,000 men and however many women and children. And it says they all ate and they were what? They were satisfied, right? 
They weren't just kind of, you know, I'm still a little hungry, right? Megan and I went out to dinner last night. We went to a barbecue restaurant that was very, very crowded, but we had a gift card, so we waited an hour and a half, right? So by the time we walk in, I'm so hungry, right? So hungry. And we got the gift card, so we're like, yeah, let's get an appetizer. Why not? So I asked the waitress, should we get the three onion rings or the six or the nine onion rings? And she says, just get the three because you're going to have some more food later. And I was like, but I want the six so bad, <laughs> right? So I'm hungry, but I didn't. I got the three. And then my food came, and it was ribs and burnt ends and, you know, beans and fries. And I was eating it, eating it, eating it. I couldn't even finish it. I was satisfied. Well, not a, I had to stop and get ice cream on the way home. So I wasn't too satisfied, but, um, right? But, but they ate, and they were satisfied. Their hunger was gone. But here's the bigger picture. When we participate in ministry with Jesus, and we offer what we have, and he takes it and uses it, to amplify himself to the world. They see him bigger and they eat spiritually and they are satisfied spiritually. It's not just a physical hunger that is met, but it's a hunger for something more that is met. They ate and they were satisfied. So when we participate, we illuminate Jesus to the world around us. But also at the same moment when we say, hey, Jesus, here's my five loaves and here's my two fish. And he says, great, go distribute it to the world. We, we get Jesus illuminated in our own eyes, in our own hearts as well. So not only is he illuminated to the world around us because of are participating in ministry, but he is illuminated in our own hearts and in our own minds because of our participation in ministry. My daughter, Nora, she just turned three. She's been, we found this little album of, it's like 100 old school Bible songs, church songs, like for little kids. And on there is the song, Deep and Wide. You guys remember that song from kids? Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And as I read this, I was reminded of the scripture in Ephesians. It says this, Ephesians 3, verse 17, it says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When we participate in ministry and illuminate him to the world around us, he is illuminated in our own hearts and we are filled with the fullness of God. We get to see God bigger in our hearts. We get to understand how deep and wide and long and high and far and whatever else there is, how much he loves us a little bit more every time we do his work. Every time he invites us in and we say yes, we see him bigger. How great is that? Not only do we get to bless others around us, but we receive more of him as well. It's so great when we participate in ministry with Jesus. Our little is his enough. So let's just get practical. What does that mean? 
What does it mean? What, I, don't, I, don't even ha- I don't know how to make bread and I don't fish, right? How do, what do I have to offer the world? Let's just get practical. Practical. The way I kept thinking about it is what's your five and what's your two? What's your five and two? Do you have five hours a month where you can spend time with two people and mentor them? Maybe. Fill out the card, drop it in the box. What's your five and two? Five times a month, maybe for two hours, you could volunteer for something here at the church. Whether it's Kids Quest or helping Lori fold stuff at the church office or helping to set down and tear up or whatever it might be. It doesn't take long. It's just two hours and five times a month for a little bit of time. What's your five and two? Maybe for five hours a month, two times a month, you participate and help us lead worship on Sundays. I would love to have some more people. We need keyboard players. Anybody plays keys? Come talk to me. Five hours a month, twice a month, two times a month. What's your five and what's your two? See, here at church, we don't just want to um, have you come in and do this work just to do work. That's not the purpose. The purpose isn't just because, oh, we need chairs and we want you to set up chairs. That's not the purpose. The purpose isn't that, hey, we need people in the nursery, so could we need bodies. Can somebody be in the nursery this week? That's not the purpose. The purpose is, hey, there's a need, and Jesus is inviting us in to participate in ministry. And as a church, we want to provide opportunities for our people to see God bigger in their own lives and in the lives of others. So we provide opportunities to serve. But it doesn't have to be in church. What is it in your everyday life? What needs are around you in your everyday life? What do you have to offer? What's your five and two at home? What's your five and two at work or at school? Or on the ball field or whatever sport you play? or whatever extracurricular activity you have, what do you have to offer those people that you're around to show them God in a bigger way? What do you have? It's practical. It's not just some little story in the Bible. It applies to us today. So somebody who has done that um, is gonna come up here and kind of tell their story and he's, he's been here at Gateway for a while. I'll let him tell you that portion of it. But um, I'm excited about it. And he helps me out on the worship team. Can you all give it up for Michael Miller? Make some noise for him. <laughs> morning, Michael. You're good. There we go. Now you're Good on. morning. There he is. All right. Michael has been attending Gateway for how long? About nine years. Nine years. And he's served in many different areas, but recently, well, not so recently, but sort of recently, he's been helping us out with the worship team. Um, I'm going to let Michael kind of tell that story of how he got involved with the worship team. Okay, so about four years ago, I was in Scott Serling's life group, and Amy V had asked if I could help out with setup and teardown for the worship stuff because they didn't have a ton of band members, so they needed more help just to putting things together and and tearing it down. So I said, yeah, I just got done with student ministry, and so I need something else to kind of get involved with for church. So I agreed to do that. And about 
two years of doing that, uh, I came in one morning and, and I noticed that Adam seemed a little bit not himself, a little bit troubled. So I said, hey, what's going on? Like, you just look different today. And he said, uh, I'm down musicians. I need some. And I said, what do you need? And he said, I need a drummer. I need a bass player. And I thought, well, I know how to play guitar a little bit, but I'm not very good at either of those things. And so <laughs> I kind of left it at that. And about a couple weeks later, I came in and he, uh, I said, hey, what, uh, have you got any prospects on, on a bass player? And he said, no. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I'd love to do that, but I don't think I'm good enough. And he looked at me and he just said, why don't you do it? And I said, I don't own a bass guitar and I don't think I'm that good. He said, well, just buy a cheap, cheap bass guitar, and, and I'll, I'll help you out. And so uh, I went and sold my electric guitar, which I never played anymore, and uh, went and bought a bass guitar and started just uh, practicing, and, and he kind of helped me out with that. But I, I came into it with just uh, a, a rudimentary knowledge of playing guitar, but I had a willingness to learn. And so uh, I, I thought, you know, God might use this. How do you think God is using it? Uh, I hope that it is a blessing to others, you know, kind of what I do up here. Uh, but much like teaching, you don't always see a direct result of that. And so uh, I know, though, for myself, it's been a blessing to me just because uh, I feel like if I'm going to stand up here and help with worship, then every other aspect of my life should also be honoring to God. So it's really helped keep me accountable, keep me in check. Awesome. Can you all give it up for Michael? What a great story. So Michael didn't have much to offer, but he recognized stress on my face, right? And he recognized that there was a need. And he said yes, right? He said yes. And I don't know about you guys, but when, uh, I'm a worship leader, so I'm biased towards worship, like I love it. But when, when we get to worship and we like truly just disengage our everyday life and say, God, you are amazing. You are a good father. Holy Spirit, come in this place. And we're inviting God into our lives in that moment. It's a great thing. And to participate that through playing music is a wonderful thing as well. And Michael said yes to that. And he's met a really specific need. And God is using that to not only usher you guys into worship, but to engage with Michael himself and say like, hey, Think about me more often. You're, wor- you're leading worship now. Engage with me differently, right? When we participate in ministry, he is illuminated to the world, but also in our own lives. I want you guys, I'm drilling that into your heads. He's illuminated into the world, but also in our own lives. So why should we do this? Not only, not just because he's illuminated to the world and in our own lives, but it's because of the gospel, Right, this whole time I've been calling it participating in ministry, but I want you guys to think of it differently now. It's participating in the gospel. It's participating in the gospel story, right? Verse 20 says, they all ate and they were satisfied. The gospel story is that we can get satisfaction that we can be redeemed, that our lives cannot be broken anymore because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. That's the gospel story. 
And when we, when we participate in ministry, we are participating in the gospel because we are telling that gospel story to the world and also, again, to ourselves. We might have been Christians for a long time, but we forget what that gospel story means. And so when we participate in ministry, we are re- re- retelling the gospel story into our own hearts and our own minds and to the world around us. Without the gospel, this all would be pointless. Without Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, this all would be pointless. And it's not because he did those things for us. We join with him so that others might eat and become satisfied in him and so that we can be satisfied in him as well. So what is the gospel? The gospel is really simple. It's that we have a need. We have a need. Our sin in our lives has separated us from God because God is pure and holy and perfect and our sin makes us disgusting and grimy and gross and God being holy, pure and perfect can't relate with somebody who's gross and grimy. He just can't. And God's not going to become gross and grimy so that he can relate with us. So we have to somehow get clean so that we can interact with the God of all the universe. But we can't on our own. We can try ever so hard, but we can't. So we need redemption. We We need a car wash to clean our life. And that's where Jesus comes into this story. He comes to earth as a baby and lives a perfect life. A life without sin, a life without blemish. Displaying for us what it looks like to live in relationship with God. And then he dies on the cross so that we might live. He dies on the cross so that our gross and griminess might be redeemed so that we can know this holy and pure and amazing God. He dies so that we might live. But yet, three days later, he rose from the grave and he's alive in heaven today saying, hey, I want to be in relationship with you. Come to me. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We can't get there on our own. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. So that's how we get there. It's through Jesus. So we just need to believe that he is who he says he is. That he died on the cross for us and was raised from the dead so that we might be redeemed. Our life might be uh, made whole again so that we can have a relationship with God. So that we can have eternal life. The reason we want to participate in ministry is because we want to proclaim the gospel to the world. We want to proclaim the gospel to everyone around us. And we want to remind ourselves of his love for us. The love that took him to the cross and he died for us so that we might be saved. And we're going to celebrate that here in a couple minutes. We're going to celebrate Christ saving lives in a couple minutes. And it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be beautiful. 
So today you might be sitting here and you're going, that's great, Adam. I already believe all these things. I already believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I already volunteer at church. But my challenge to you is to not to think it as a volunteer. I want you to think it as the gospel. Think of your volunteer work as doing, displaying the gospel for others. Every time somebody sets up one of these chairs, it's giving somebody an opportunity to sit in it and hear the gospel. Every time somebody uh, volunteers in Kids Quest and they teach the kids a story, it's a way for them to make the gospel of Jesus bigger in the lives of those children so that one day those children might say yes to Jesus. Every time we lead worship, it's to make God bigger. Every time that we do whatever it is that we do that is meeting a need around us and we offer up our five loaves and our two fish or our poor bass playing skills. Not poor, Michael, you did a great job. (laughs) Or whatever it might be that you have to offer, it's not just because we're doing it because we go to this church and we just want to be a part of it. No, it's for the gospel of Jesus. It's so that he might be made bigger. So today in this place, if you're one of those volunteers who's just been volunteering to volunteer, start to change your mindset. Start to change your mindset. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I've been a Christian for a long time. And I volunteer and I want to change my mindset. But I've never been baptized. We can talk about that. Baptism is nothing special. That water came out of the boys' bathroom over there in a hose. Right? And it was like barely warm, so it's probably cooled off by now. There's nothing special about the water that's in that hot tub that's not hot. Right? It's just water. But when we participate in baptism, when we say yes to baptism, it's just a picture of what God has done in our lives that we get to tell the world. The Bible says if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved, right? It says that. And so we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts. And one way for us to do that is to go through baptism. It's just a, a wonderful picture of what Christ has done for us. We're buried. We're put under the water to death. Our old self is gone and we're raised in newness of life. Romans Uh, chapter 3, verse 4 says that. We're buried with him to death and raised to walk in life. And it's just a picture of that. Well, we're declaring that to our church family. Hey, I believe in this God that we talk about all the time. I believe in this God that we worship. I believe in this God that we volunteer in whatever volunteer ways that we do. I believe in him and I want to tell you all about it so that you can celebrate with me what he's done in my life. And you can celebrate how you've been used to make the gospel bigger in the eyes of the people getting baptized. So maybe today you're that person where you've been in church for a long time. You've said yes to Jesus, but you've not been baptized. You've not followed him in baptism. And baptism is just an act of saying, hey, y'all, I'm in this with you. It's an act of obedience. So if that's you today, we practice open baptism, which means if you want to get baptized, you can get baptized. I sat out a bunch of t-shirts and shorts back there this morning, 
right? You don't have to ruin your clothes. We've got you covered. So if you want to get baptized today, let's get baptized. Maybe today you're here and you're going, I don't even know who Jesus is. Somebody brought me and I don't understand what this Jesus guy is. Well, he lives a perfect life so that you might live through his death and his resurrection. That's who he is. If you want to talk about him, if you want to understand him more, or maybe today you want to say yes to Jesus, as the worship team comes on up, and we're going to sing one last song this morning. As this song is playing, now's the time. Now's the time to move this door right over here. If you want to get baptized this morning, that's the door for you. If you want to know more about Jesus this morning, that's the door for you. Our staff um, and some other members of our church are going to be there to kind of help you. If, you. if you just walk back and you're like, I don't know anything, somebody's going to sit down with you and tell you about how great Jesus is. So let's pray real quick, and then we'll worship together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for your love. And God, we thank you for this invitation you've given us to participate with you in the gospel. To make the gospel bigger in the eyes of the people around us and to make the gospel bigger in our hearts. And so God, we bring you our little and you can do so much with it. So God, as we sing, Let us sing with big hearts and loud voices. God, as we sing, move in this place and challenge us and shape us to think differently about the work we're doing. God, as we sing this morning, break hearts to know you more. God, I ask that you move in a huge way this morning. We know you will. Let's worship together. Let's stand.